Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. Uh, Welcome back to our journey back in time. Mm -hmm. We're embarking on a new endeavor, which I had said was 10 episodes long, but I was a liar. It's this many fingers. It's eight episodes long. I'm holding eight fingers for everyone in the audience. But it's still going to end up being 10 episodes, or five episodes, rather, because we only watched the first one because it was an hour and 20 minutes long and had a ton of information packed in it. We didn't want to get overwhelmed. Right. So we're watching episode one, or we're talking about episode one this week of 11 divided by dots. 11.22.63, the Hulu miniseries. Starring James Franco, based on Stephen King's 60th published book. 60th? Yeah. Oh, he's prolific. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about episodes two and three, followed by four and five, followed by six and seven, followed by the finale, episode eight, which I was hoping would also be a long one, but of course... But it is not. <laughs> I think, though, that that doesn't mean necessarily that it'll be a short episode. That's because true. Because there's going to be a lot of wrapping up to do. Yes. And that typically right. happens with the Stephen King stuff. There's a lot of... Um, I was in a, a... I'm in a horror group, or I'm in several. And they discussed how in older horror movies, the minute the monster or the ghost or the demon or whatever was subdued, everyone leaves the stage. And that's the end of the film. It ends with that. And how it's much more likely nowadays that there's a after. Yes, a uh, denouement. Right. Wow, if I said that, you'd call me so stuck up. No, I wouldn't. I learned uh, it in a Charlie Kaufman movie. Okay. Well, there would be tying up all the loose ends and things like that. Yes. And I think in some cases, as we've talked about before, there are some films where you really want to see how on earth is any of this explained to anybody. Right. So. Yeah, but largely, though, in Stephen King's work, even even then, it's uh, even though we have baby denouement, it's, we don't talk about, and then they all went to jail because there was a trail of bodies. Right. <laughs> That's the one thing that always, uh, I think, where he, and there's a joke about that in the most recent version of It. Yes. Uh about not being able to end a book. And he's admitted that, that he basically doesn't like to say goodbye to his characters. He doesn't like to say goodbye to his But I do characters. appreciate the fact that there is some sort of ending for situations that are left in so much chaos. Yes. All right. So, before we get started on this uh, behemoth of a series, mm-hmm. uh, how was your week? Actually, my week was better than most. Uh, we had company over the weekend for the we first did, time. We did, for the first company, time. And you made soap. I made soap. You I made, made candles. Candles. You made Samoan pastry. Samoan pastry. Samoan. Samoan. Samoa. <laughs> I don't know. I learned that I've been pronouncing it wrong my entire life. It's they use long and short vowels, and their version of a long vowel, unlike ours, mm-hmm. is holding it for an extra beat. So Samoa. Um, yes, I made. And we were as we speak. We're staring at the They're staring at the last pastry. one. Uh, they're called piafala or piafala. half moon pies. Okay. And they're filled with a delicious um, pineapple filling. Pineapple filling. And our guest, who is of Samoan descent, uh, told me that it tasted the way that she remembered. So right, we did a we good did job. It fairly authentically. Yes. Or you did it, rather. I was in the living room having drinks. Drinks. And learning about the wonders of. Um, 
Firearms. Firearms. There were many weapons in the house. Which is week. very strange. I have never... I, uh, the last time I used a firearm was in a summer camp, and I have no idea how they operate. Yep. And I, I, my, our guest, of course, thought it was very peculiar that I have a katana and a bolos yep. and a bowie knife. All these very strange, exotic yes. things. But Non-mechanical I, weapons. Right. Uh, rope dart. I have all sorts of things, but a firearm was completely foreign to me. Like, that was exotic. Hey, what does this do? Yep. Why does it have springs? I had lots of stupid questions. <laughs> so, that was our weekend. Yes. It was a fun weekend. Uh, we hope that you all are getting some socialization safely. Safely. That's safely. The operative word. The cases are kicking back up again, and so we want everyone to be gentle with themselves mm-hmm. and with each other. Yes. And wear masks. That's useful. Okay. Let's get into this tale. Tale of tales. Yes. So, I now have committed to memory mm-hmm. the date that JFK was assassinated because of this book. Okay. <laughs> it's really the only reason. American history class has failed me. Stephen King has swooped in and saved the day. So this series uh, was made for Hulu. J.J. Abrams uh, bought the rights to this film. Mm-hmm. Which was a of great uh, disappointment to James Franco, mm-hmm. who read the book and wanted to buy the rights, but was informed that J.J. Abrams had oh. already wrote the, uh, uh, bought the rights. He had made some public. He wrote an essay for Vice about it. James mm-hmm. Franco did, which got their attention, and they offered him the role, the the lead role. The lead role. Okay. To which J- James Franco said, "Cool, cool, cool. Can I direct one?" Mm-hmm. And they were like, yes, we can make that happen. And so James Franco will direct, I believe it is episode five. Uh, There are multiple directors for this series. The first one we have for the first episode, which is entitled The Rabbit Hole, uh, is Kevin MacDonald. He's a Scottish director, Mm -hmm. if the name MacDonald didn't give that away. Uh, He has made movies that I've actually heard of touching the void and one day in september which are both documentaries Mm -hmm. and he made the last king of scotland and state of play which are not Not documentaries scotland is a movie that i have mixed feelings about was it well directed it was well directed but there is a an there's almost a need for a trigger warning in that film uh well yes it's about a a dictator. And yeah, a psychopathic a, murdering dictator. A friendship with that same dictator. Yes. And so there's a moment when, and it's meant to be shocking, you're aware of how capable of horrors this dictator is. But it almost comes out of the blue, because up until that point, he's very friendly and affable. Yeah. And then you but get you something know that's that you're friendly. watching a movie about a right. dictator. So. And so, but that moment when you're suddenly in a Clive Barker movie and you didn't know that you were going there, it is kind of shocking. But... I think that's effective. But the film overall is fairly good. So this movie, miniseries, mm-hmm. the, although what we watched was basically a movie. It was yeah. an hour and 21 minutes, and there is a full sort of bit of closure mm-hmm. to the story with you a very... Have, this episode alone is its own sort of cinematic arc. Yeah, they would have had to end it like three minutes earlier than they did because mm-hmm. they definitely leave it on a cliffhanger as right. you would do in a miniseries, so it makes sense. Uh, 
and but it is sort of the like 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 ex- experiment one, mm-hmm. if you will, in the time travel. Y'all, we're gonna talk about time travel in this because that is the whole premise of the show, and I have deep. I know. Strong feelings know. about Trigger time warning travel. warning for people with time travel. And I actually like the way that the story typically handles mm-hmm. time travel. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to like the way the miniseries handles it, but if it's right. similar or equal to the book, well, I won't be mad at it. I'll, this feels to me like more thought... Stephen King gave more thought to the time travel in this than he has to science in some of his I, other I stuff. I will tell you that in... in well, why don't you explain the plot first? All right, yes. Yeah, so let's start at the beginning. So we meet Jake Epping in class. Mm-hmm. He is a teacher. Uh, he is a high school teacher, but he also teaches adults mm-hmm. uh, at the learning annex taught to his school. Uh, apparently, he's recently divorced, <laughs> according to Wikipedia. Uh, I don't recall that coming up. His wife steps into the diner very briefly. At the oh, that's of the right, episode. because... That's right, because Al is gone during right. his signing of his divorce papers. That's right, they do mention it. So, so she's so far in this uh, program, she's in it for a grand total of about two minutes. Yeah, and we probably won't get any more. Right. Uh, so he's recently divorced, and by recently, I mean apparently he signs his divorce papers during the action of the first episode. So I would say recent is too, it's not even strong enough a word. Yeah. He, uh, English teacher. Uh, and. Basically, fundamentally, he's offered a chance to travel back in time and Mm -hmm. then dared to do it almost like it's a dying wish situation uh, to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So we start actually on an old man's face and he's telling us about a terrible night of Halloween 1960, wherein his father killed his entire family but him. And then himself, uh, his father killed himself. So that is we've come Leon to find Rippey, out. Who's a really wonderful face? Yes. What's his name? Leon Rippey. Leon Rippey. Mm-hmm. What's the his name? Is Harry, Harry Dunning. Harry Dunning. Um, he we find out is the janitor at the school, and he's also a student in uh, James Franco's. Or we'll call him Jake. I'm going to call. I'm going to do my best to call him Jake. Jake. Mm-hmm. James and Jake are very close, so we'll see what happens. Jake's adult education class. And we do, in fact, see him graduate. So he has completed his course, course of, education. of education to get his GED. But as I said, he was, what, maybe seven in 1960. So he's in his 60s at this point. Right. The point is that he's trying to get a better job or yes. apply to a better position with his current job. After his story, um, which Jake gives an A+, plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry says, hey, I'm going for a promotion. Can you write me a letter of recommendation? Of course, Jake um, agrees to do that. Later at the the little graduation ceremony, he's sitting next to the principal, and she is very embittered of life and all things, and he talks to her about the promotion that Harry wants, and She's like, you know, I love Harry. We all love Harry. He's great at pushing a broom, but making schedules and managing people, like filling out time cards, filling out time cards and paperwork, yeah. it's going to be beyond him. Um, and it does seem as though he has some developmental issues. Right. 
which of course come no doubt from I believe his father did in fact shoot him in the head. He just survived. But there's not many details about that. We're getting kind of a flashback in the beginning. Yes, it's a flashback, yeah. and it's told, you know, from his point of view in a very, I mean, it is well written, but it is a very matter of fact style. It's um, also presented very much like I had uh, flashbacks to the opening of The Godfather. Yeah. I believe in America. We, you know, we're, we're looking at the face of the man who's appealing to the. Uh, for, uh, Don Vito to avenge his daughter. Yes. And we start just with his face. And it's very similar here. Right. We're treated to a very interesting face. Face, yeah. Here, interspersed with flashbacks, and he's telling his story because that uh, affects, or at least we think it's going to affect the climax of the story going forward. Yeah. Um, and so Jake is bummed that that is going to be her answer. Mm-hmm. He, I think he fundamentally understands, but I think he thinks it sucks. Uh, and uh, what I wrote for this whole part, for mm-hmm. all I wrote in my notes was, that's an aggressive goatee. I don't know. <laughs> he shaves it off, right? But, like, I don't know if it's a, what's it called? Oh, no. A burk. A- Merkin is only for pubic hair. It's not, but it looks like a Merkin on his face. It's like an aggressive, it's aggressive, uh, the, the facial hair that Jake is rock, rocking at the beginning of this. Um, and then he, after the graduation, maybe that night, maybe the next mm-hmm. day, goes to Al's diner. Uh, Al is played by Chris Cooper. Mm-hmm. We love Chris Cooper. I love Chris Cooper. And he, you know, has his burger special for something like a dollar fifty or right. something like that, which is a plot point. Uh, and so he's eating his burger, which apparently he does like daily. This is where he goes to get all of his meals. There's a little back and forth, like very much like a married spat, where, um, you know, Jake is like, you could give, me, you could, you could make me like a diet burger or whatever, a light burger, and. Mm-hmm. And Al's like, uh, I do. It's called a salad. That you could order a salad. Um, and then, yes, you're right. As his wife comes in with the papers and he signs the papers, Al leaves, goes into the back of the restaurant. And when he comes back out, he is haggard looking. He's wearing the same clothes, which is a point that I made. Mm-hmm. He is haggard looking and he is coughing up blood and not doing well. So they close the diner. Um, he gets Al home. Al says, come back tomorrow. Come to the diner tomorrow. I want to tell you some things. And Jake's like, uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And so he does do that. Uh, then we see him teaching the dur- during the day. So we know that he's a high school teacher who right. happens to teach at night as well. Not a particularly good high school teacher, at least in terms of classroom discipline. Um, because he lets children, or he lets young adults, I'll put it that way. No one in the audience saw me lifting my eyebrows when I said the term young adult. But That's fine. He lets them do what? He lets them look at videos on their phone. He isn't keeping any classroom orders, so he's uh, he seems to be very 
It's like he's not invested with the youth. He's invested with the older people. I think that I don't think that that's true. I think that uh, you see that that day. I think you also have to keep in mind that yesterday he signed his divorce papers, mm -hmm. and his fr maybe best friend looked like he was dying all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that we're catching him on a bad day. Uh, and his his class seems to have enough respect for him that they weren't goofing off that much it was just that one kid and he says do you want me to send you this video which he does say yes send it to me it seems so it seems to me like mm -hmm. maybe he was having an off day he was showing a video in class too that that shows to me that like he just was not but just well okay it was just a rough day that day but i've seen bad classroom management mm -hmm. and that is not what was being put forward in by the oh. class uh so I just think he's having a rough day. And we go back uh, to Al's. Uh, Al's like, um, what I'm, what, what's about to happen is going to seem crazy. Go, go in my closet before I tell you anything. And Jake is like fucking such a dick about not wanting to go in the closet. And I'm just like, even, okay, so here's the worst that happens in your mind. If, mm -hmm. if a dude says, I want to tell you something, but first I need you to go in there and then come back out, it'll make it easier. The worst that happens if nothing's in that closet is you go in there, you stand in there for whatever length of time, and then you come out and then you go, okay, I don't get it, so spit it out. Um, and the best thing that happens is you go to Narnia. So, you know, it's like, go in the closet. Stop fighting him. This is a sick man, clearly. Go in the damn closet. So he does go in the closet. He takes steps in, and he, that closet seems to go back like nine feet before anything happens. Which is the least strange thing about it. It is It is a very deep closet. And then he takes one more step and he is on the street outside. It's bright. It's the middle of the day. Uh, it is... Everything seems wrong. It's not... The, the diner's not there. Everything looks old-timey. Uh, there's an old dude in a raggedy outfit that says, oh, I don't want to say raggedy. We just did raggedy. In, in a grungy outfit that tells him, you don't belong here, you don't belong here. And then at that point, he walks back the way he came and reappears in the closet and comes out. And he's like, what the fuck was that? He doesn't say fuck because it's on Hulu miniseries. I don't think they're swearings. Because there, there's some kind of swearings. Maybe they're swearings. Maybe I'm just putting that in my own head. And that is when Al says, so what that was, was October 21st, 1960. And uh, Jake's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and Al's like, okay, but it definitely was. They go back and forth a little while um, to see if what you do changes what you've done so he says you know okay so yes it starts with um i want i want to what if you could stop mm -hmm. the assassination of john f kennedy and right. it's really he starts with if john f kennedy was never assassinated would robert kennedy have run for president probably not and if the, if Robert Kennedy hadn't run for president, then he wouldn't have been assassinated. Mm -hmm. so he was assassinated during his election or during his the election cycle, as he was running for president. And if John F. Kennedy hadn't been president or hadn't been assassinated, would Vietnam have ramped up the way that it did? Probably not. Well, it wouldn't have ramped up at all. 
I think John F. Kennedy wouldn't have ramped it up. This was Lyndon Johnson's doing. So the logic goes, Lyndon Johnson doesn't become president. He doesn't send more troops. He doesn't, you know, order right. saturation bombing. So that's his logic. And we know that he's personally tied to this because on his counter is a picture, a Photoshop picture. A Photoshop course, picture, yes. Of uh, Chris Cooper's character, uh, Al Templeton, with three other vets. Yes. In, so, in Vietnam, probably. So it's almost... I think what it's leaning towards knowing nothing about the book is that he's trying to prevent something there from happening. Well, he's trying to present probably those other dudes in that picture. Right. They might dead. not have made it back. Yeah. Uh, we lost an obscene amount of people in Vietnam. Um, and countless more were irreparably altered. Mm. He says, every time you go in through that door, no matter how long you spend there, 10 minutes or 10 years, well, I think he says five minutes or five years, it's five, you know, two minutes of time goes mm. by on this side. And, uh, you know, he reveals that there's a butcher there that he likes. Mm -hmm. And that's how his beef prices have stayed so low because he's been eating or, you know, he's been bringing, sourcing meat for what, seven cents a pound or something right. like that. So that's how he keeps his prices low. Um, we do find out that because Jake's like, well, but once you come back, you, like, you, then you're in this reality. So how is it like we, we can't you don't know that you, you've affected anything. And he says, go out. He hands him a knife. And Jake goes, do you know what I'm supposed to just go up and stab someone? And Al is like, carve your carve something in that tree out there and we like what is wrong this is you I, I i don't think that's something that people do anymore carve things into trees that's right but the know. fact that jake's first thing was should i stab someone is uh upset like at that point i'm like al you should maybe get a different person well i this is the problem that i've had with the episode and we'll discuss this more when we get to the end of it i think that Al should have chosen a completely different person, and this was not the most promising choice. Yeah. Because uh, he, he uh, Jake, along the way, seems to disregard absolutely everything, everything Al tells him to do. No, it's true. Um, although it is hard to say if anybody would have just followed Al's instructions, frankly. Mm -hmm. So there's a long night of, um, you know red cords on billboard or on cork boards right you know going through the steps of everything that al has collected because it turns out that night when um jake signed his divorce papers and al had gone into the back he had go gone away mm -hmm. and come back after two and a half years mm -hmm. because he was diagnosed with cancer in 1962 but he was fixing to go ahead and try and stop this assassination. Like right. he was like, "Today is my day," which is wild. He did he did it in the middle of dinner rush. Apparently, mm. like why would you not have gone after or before? This is only going to be gone for two minutes, right? But this is just okay. Yes, you are only gone on this side for two minutes. Right. Cool, fine. When you come back through, everyone's going to think two minutes has passed. 
but in fact, you have lived three and a half years. Mm-hmm. How are you going to acclimate? How are you going to remember whose order is what if you are in the middle of your work day? Mm, like when you leave. It is a wild proposition to me that you wouldn't do this on like a Friday night so that when you come back, you can acclimate yourself back to the fact that it is the, you know, 2000s and whatever's. And you have work in two days, even though you've been literally gone for two years or three years. Like, it just, plus he's wearing the same clothes. And I don't know where he put those clothes, where he hid those clothes, and how he got them back. Maybe in the closet. Mm -hmm. Maybe he changes before he goes through the closet and then changes back when he comes back. It's unclear. But that is my thing. I'm just like, yes, I understand that here we have only been missing you for two minutes. But you have lived two and a half years, and you probably don't remember what dressing I wanted on my salad two and a half years ago. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Uh, so, but maybe he just has the same 17 customers and they always get the same shit and he's not worried yeah. about forgetting. Uh, so, yes, he has been diagnosed with cancer in the 60s, which, so he should probably get a second opinion. But, um, <laughs> I'm thinking that medic- medical... Uh, I think that there weren't as many, well, certainly weren't as many great options for treatment in the 1960s. No, of course not. So it became a, a war of wills, whether he was going to stick it out yeah. for it. Because this is still years shy of the assassination. Yes, he was a year He was a year out, at um, least. Yeah. And so he's going to have to sit there and wait and make a living until the actual fateful day yes. comes. Yeah. Or he could try to unravel the conspiracy before it happens. Yeah. Um, which but he seems also, to be more reasonable. Uh, and I don't know if he says it, but later we he says, you know, the, if you try and fuck with the past, the fat past fucks with you. Mm-hmm. So I guess there is swearing, because he right. definitely says that. Um, which we see instances of here. And the past may have fucked with him by giving him cancer. Well, the past, it does, like, really obnoxious, terrible things. Yes. And so it becomes... You know what's obnoxious and terrible? Cancer. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. But it's... Some of the things are... It's, it's There's a lack of conviction on the part of the of time in this movie at times. And then it goes from, as we'll see later on, automobiles trying to run you down, chandeliers falling out of the sky, to something as small as, like, a... A candle falling over and lighting the carpet. But that's enough. Yeah. If that candle um, catches you, that's enough. It well, it did for... That was one of the things yes, that happened yes. to... Uh, yeah, to... Um, Al. To Al. So he's all burned. Because um, he's saying, you have to follow this guy, George de Montmorenshield, mm-hmm. who he believes was Lee Harvey Oswald's handler if lee harvey oswald had a handler that's the other thing when asked about the assassination directly uh jake is like it's lee harvey oswald did it right and chris cooper responds most people think so or something like that people seem to think lee harvey oswald did it they don't come down directly on lee harvey oswald did it so Part of what Jake needs to do in the three years that he would have between 102160 and 112263 is to figure out if Lee Harvey Oswald is the shooter. Um, and one of the ways that they want that, that uh, Al tells him to do that is six months prior to the assassination of JFK, a General Walker is shot. 
it's largely thought that Lee Harvey Oswald was the shooter in that instance. And that that was like a test run for the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is learn as much about Morin Shield, who he believes is his Russian handler, mm -hmm. uh, and Lee Harvey Oswald, and then see if he is the shooter at the Walker. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, an attempt, an assassination attempt. I don't believe Walker was killed. I can't recall. Uh, and if he was, at that point, just take him out. Like, if Lee Harvey Oswald is the shooter at the Walker assassination, then kill Lee Harvey Oswald and problem solved. Although, you get that deep into an assassination attempt, and I feel like so, there might be other people that were in line. Jake, the high school teacher. Yes. We have differing opinions about his qualities as that. That's fine. Um, is now going to be a time traveling assassin. Yes, yes, that is what Al is doing listening and to. And Al seems to have his doubts. I had my doubts. <laughs> and yeah, but he has a very clever plan. He has fake ideas made up. Yes, he has a whole... He, has, he says, and, mm -hmm. and Jake is like, when did you have all of this made? And he goes, when I got diagnosed in 1962. Mm -hmm. So not only did he have it all made, he had it all made in the past. Right, so he was prepared for specific. having to pass the, the reins of this over to somebody else. And he gives him a new name. Uh, uh, last name, mm -hmm. which is Amberson, Jake Amberson, instead Fred of Jake Epping. Um, Jake asks about the guy with the yellow card who said that he wasn't, he didn't belong mm -hmm. there. And then, you know, Al is like, don't pay any attention to the yellow card man. He's not and important. It's Kevin J. O'Connor, who is a wonderful character actor. Yes. You've and, you know his face. Yes. Yeah. Deep Rising. He sold uh, The Mummy. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He plays yes, yes. that character, that Weasley character, really well. But so. you know the fact that uh -huh. Al knows him as the yellow card man yeah. means that he's important. Right. Like, you don't get a nickname if you're not important. Right. That's just a fact of life. Um, And then... So Al gets the end of his spiel, and it's like 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, let's go. Um, I can wait two minutes. I can wait two minutes for a better world. That's right. what he says. And Jake's like, uh, I need to think about this. And Al's like, think about what? I just gave you all this information. You're only going to miss two years in your actual life. Right. Just go and do this. I'm literally dying here. Uh, and Jake is like, nya, 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 nya. and then he goes home because he's a bitch. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, of course, of course. He goes and he's like, Al, maybe you're right. Maybe I want to do this. And Al, of course, has died. And so now, in a fit of grief and panic, he just takes the stuff and he walks through the damn closet. Now, this is where I kind no of prep he's lost idiot. my patience with... And I, I, part of this is because I really think James Franco is an incredibly dull performer. Agreed. Um, yeah, I'm not a, a huge fan. There's, I have, I had this conversation once with a friend about trying to find the performance where you just believe this person is a star quality, or this pushes them up another level. And so there are some performances I have never seen James Franco give a performance that was really compelling. I think he was good in 127 hours. I don't think he looks like the dude that had that happen to him. Right. 
But I think he was good in that. And I actually like him as the burnout in Freaks and Geeks, his very first thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I'm supposed to be compelled by him, I'm just like... I'm kind of but he, and, and And there's too much of him... There's too much of James Franco mm-hmm. in most of James Franco's performance. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a fan of James Franco. No, you know what I'm saying? He's He's transported to... 1960. 1960. Right. Steps out of it wearing modern clothes, including a shirt with a black man on it. That becomes a point later on. It's like, do you realize yeah. there's separate bathrooms for black and white people in this yes, area? Yes, yeah, yeah. Which I'm glad they acknowledged. He's given a... And Al set up a really good plan. Al set up a great plan. So he's got all his papers. Mm-hmm. He's also got a notebook, Back to the Future style, mm-hmm. of sports bets, basically. Right. This is how you can make money. He has uh, something like $900 or something like that. Um, But that's not going to last three years. He can't really get a job. I mean, he has everything he needs to get a job, but he can't really get a job if he's got to be tracking this down. So Al's like, okay, buy a nondescript car and go (laughs) go to Dallas. This is a rooming house that you can stay in. The people are lovely. Um... The food's all good. That was what the other thing he said. The food in the past all tastes better than now. Like, it's just better. I can't even explain that it's just better. And I'm like, mm, less processed. Uh, more <laughs> actual lard yes. in things. Well, actual Real sugar. sugar yeah. right. Go to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Lay low. Make the bets you need to make. Um, but, like, don't go ham. And follow this. Follow more and chill. <laughs> right. He says... You know, on this night, follow him to where he goes, or on this day, follow mm-hmm. him to where he goes, and he does. And then on this night, he's got a meeting at a at a restaurant, and and we don't get this all up front. We get mm-hmm. this as Jake is going right his as steps. he's doing it. So the first thing is he goes, he he buys us, he buys new suits. He uh-huh. has to. That makes sense. Goes Buy, to a barber. He goes to a barber. Yes, he shaves his beard. He um gets actual suits because he's mm-hmm. a grown person and that is what grown men in the 60s did. And then he buys the flashiest fucking car he could find. A 1958 Ford Fairlane Skyliner. Yellow. Convertible. Yellow. Yes. Gold. Right. Yellow. Now, <laughs> I, I have never gone to the past to assassinate anybody. However, car to do it in. <laughs> this car is slightly less fancy than Christine. Maybe more because it's convertible. This is what he buys. So, but Christine wouldn't have been out of place in this. No, 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 world, no, no, though, no. Even even Christine but would have been a more reasonable vehicle. A Ford Fairlane is they're, they're yeah no it's, it's we see them in museums now because of the architecture of this car. You cannot not you notice can't it. Not 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 notice it. Also, it's seven hundred dollars, which is the bulk of the money that he right. has left. So he has to place a bet. So he in the same town yes. that he was already in, which is Devon, Maine, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, places a one hundred dollar bet, um, which they want to do three to one, and he was like, "Oh, is that it?" And he's like, um, "He goes, make me an offer that's more interesting." And they were like, "And he, they, or I think he offers, what if I pick a round?" Right. And they say... Well, no, the the, the, the uh, gentleman who's 
the bookie tells yeah. him you can pick a round if you want to do something specific. Oh, okay. And then he knows the round, of course. I thought that he said, yeah. I thought he offered the round. I think that's, because that I thought aroused more suspicion. Okay. Then, then, then. He's like, can we make it more interesting? And mm-hmm. I think the dude says, well, what do you have in mind? And he says, what if I could name a round? And then he goes, uh, I don't know, so-and-so knocks him out in mm-hmm. six. And he goes over and he says, can we do, do 35 to 1? 35 to 1 on a $100 bet in 1960. That's $3,500 in yeah. 1960. That is a year's salary for a yeah. very well-paid person in 1960. That is thousands of dollars, okay? And he's in a small, he's in De- still in Devon, Maine, driving a car that is extraordinarily ostentatious. Right. And of course he wins. They walk him out to his ostentatious ass car and then he's driving and he has to of course go to a motel motor hotel wherein you park your ostentatious ass car in front of the room you just rented and I'm like well this is how you die motherfucker and he knows that he's fucked up but he's like no they place bets all the time you're being paranoid this that and the other and it's like no and this is what would make me worried about the plan he not only has no killer instinct he has no instinct for self-preservation at all yeah yeah yes and so of course they show up Mm -hmm. he has his cell phone still which is a terrible idea But he sets it to the video, same video as was played in the class parrot. of a dancing parrot. And the, the thugs come in and look at it and are like, what the fuck is that? Because it's 1960. Right. And he hits them over the head or whatever and is able to escape with his phone and all of his stuff. Which he shortly pitches and then into he, a river. Exactly. He gets on the road mm-hmm. and then he gets, comes to a bridge and he chucks the phone into a river right. because... He should not have it. Uh, and then he drives solidly, basically, to Denver. Mm-hmm. Or to Dallas, rather. He finds the boarding house. He, of course, says, I was recommended by Al. He stayed here once. And, of course, he didn't. He because, as we right. know, if you as soon as someone goes back, they it erase resets. everything. So it's the alternate timeline. Uh, so, really, what Al should have also said was, when you come back here, you need to burn this diner down because if anybody stumbles through there again anything he does is erased right exactly um but that is not discussed and also you don't go through a door on the other side it's just in the middle of this lot this parking lot basically Mm -hmm. so i what's to stop somebody from like it's a rift in space it's not it has nothing to do with the closet so i don't know how you keep people from walking through it again later but we don't we're not going to worry about that yet no uh so he gets to dallas he gets his room set up and he starts and then we hear al in voiceover and he's like on this day you're gonna i think it's the 25th mm-hmm. follow um george morenshield to, uh and you'll understand, or and uh, you'll know why. Mm-hmm. And so he follows him in to a speech by JFK, who is campaigning at this time for president. And uh, he's a senator. And you said it's actually footage of JFK. There's actual footage of JFK incorporated into the the scene. The scene, yeah. Um, yeah. 
And then Morn Shield is go goes to a VIP party, which Jake gets himself Crashes, into. Yeah. Yes. Uh, by saying, I'm with so-and-so who doesn't like my name on lists, which is actually mm. like a really good line and I think was effective. But he gets busted. He gets caught. He says he's just a huge fan of the senator mm -hmm. um, and avoids getting his um, knees handed to him. But he is chased right. out. And uh, then he follows him, I think, two nights later to yeah. a restaurant. To a Mexican restaurant. Yes, a Mexican restaurant. This is where we say we hear Al say, "Be careful going down the stairs." I don't know what happens because uh, I was walking, I was following him down the stairs, mm -hmm. and then I was on fire, right? And I had to leave, and so, so he does. Jake doesn't turn over his coat at the coat check. Mm -hmm. He says, "You're not going to get in without. You've got to have some money with you to grease right. the palms," which I think he had hundreds, and I'm like. I think that's he's overkill here. Completely overdoing it. Like uh, he's, yeah. that. Yes, in 1960, I think a 20 would have probably done it. But a 10 would have done it. Maybe. Hell, a five probably would have done it. Um, and he hold, but he gives two hundred dollars to the maitre d', mm. and but he holds onto his jacket, and he is just carefully walking down the stairs, and then suddenly, yes, a was it. I'm not sure if it was like a sterno it was or like what a exactly. flambe thing right. or so, something bursts into something flame right flaming. in front of him, right. and he is able to throw his jacket over it and and stomp it out. Um, and they continue on. He's like, "Don't worry about the jacket; just leave it. Like it's done now. Anyways, right. I don't need it back." And then he takes like four more steps, and the chandelier falls from the ceiling, but he misses that too. Uh, and then, of course, everybody in the restaurant is, like, super apologetic, bringing him free drinks and shit. And um, he's trying... Yeah, that's just so foolish, though. It's like, we almost burned you, we almost dropped a chandelier on you, but here's a free here's margarita. Here's a free margarita. I yeah, that's also, not, that's I'm not, not paying for, for my it. meal. Right. Um, so um, he's sitting there trying to listen in on this conversation that Morin Shield mm -hmm. is having with these guys in suits. And everything around him is, like, extra loud. Yeah. And it does he does think that it's time pushing back on him, trying to keep him from knowing what's up. Um, but he's pretty sure it's the CIA. Then, previously to this, actually, I think the first night he's in Dallas, he goes for a walk. Mm -hmm. And he um, tries to call his dad uh, on a payphone, which shorts out... Starts sparking. He runs out of it, and then a car careens down the road mm. and crashes into the payphone, killing the driver of the vehicle, a woman, whose dying words as she lay on the street in broken glass is, you shouldn't be here. Mm. So that's unsettling. So don't reach out to your own past either, because that's not... Well, nobody the, wants that. He, as I said, the frustrating thing about him in the past is how he just stumbles through everything. Yes. And how... There are people dying. He stays in a boarding home. He's staying in a boarding home, right. and the son the the son of the boarding home is in like a ROTC. Mm -hmm. He's wearing a baby uniform. He's like fourteen, and he right. says he's going to enlist in the army as soon as he gets out because he wants to fight for his country. Um. So after the dinner, where he's like, "Oh fuck, that was the CIA. That was the CIA," but he gets away out of mm -hmm. the fire and away from all of the burning. He gets back to the boarding house, which is on fire. The yeah. fire will not be stopped. The fire is going to stop. And we see little Henry 
being pulled out of the flames dead. And so at that point, he's like, I can't, I can't do this. Well, there's too much collateral damage. Yes. Already I've killed this one woman and I've killed this kid Mm -hmm. or like my being here seemingly has killed this kid and this woman because we know that Al stayed at this boarding house for years and this did not happen. Uh, And so he's like, I have to get out of here. It's like the 26th or 27th. And we see him heading back towards Maine. But on the way, he makes a stop. And the place that he stops is outside of the Dunning residence, where little Harry Dunning was sort of spared uh, by the massacre of his father four days later or whatever it is. It's probably like two days later, actually, at this point, because he's got to drive all the way back. I think he was in Vermont. I can't remember exactly where he was. It wasn't in Maine, but... Uh, so we see he pulls out in front of the Dunning home and we see Josh Dumel mm-hmm. uh, picking up his kids and his wife standing on the porch, maybe ex-wife at this point, uh, saying, have them back by dinner or whatever. And it seems like they are separated. Mm-hmm. Josh Dumel gives the, the woman a death stare uh, and... Uh, Jake is looking at both of them, and that is where we leave the right. show. So the Episode idea, I think, is failed uh, time traveling assassin. I have failed yeah. the JFK assassination, but maybe I can help Harry. Right. Um, and so that is where we leave it with him about to maybe prevent the murder of this entire family uh, by this man. Mm-hmm. So that is what we're probably going to deal with next week. Um, the two episodes we're going to watch next week are episode two, which is called The Kill Floor, and episode three, which is called Other Voices, Other Rooms. So that's where we are. What do you think so far? Um, I need more explanation. I think that one of the issues that I have with, I mean, I have the same issues that you have with time travel stories. Mm. And so if you go back and you don't, and it sounds horrible to say, not um, preventing the assassination of JFK will just bring up a bunch of new problems. And that's, I think that might be the eventual point of the story. Yes, it won't. It certainly isn't going to make us live in a utopia. Like that, it's going to, just different things will have happened. If you talk to people who were alive at the time, uh, like as it was my parents and others, they really do have a different view of this and what happened. Of 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 this? I don't of, know what of, this of, is. Of, I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Let me start Clarify again. for me. They have a different view of JFK and his time in office, and they really did believe they had this wave of optimism about him, mm-hmm. and this was a very cruel ending to it. Yes. And I don't know if I know an adult of that period who wouldn't go back and try to wouldn't go back and change it. And yeah. it's a, it's, it's a kind of a foolish optimism because it doesn't mean that anything would be different, but well, it it certainly means that things would be different, but, but I, I, I can't that imagine better. that right that we would end up in a better place. And Who knows? Maybe in a post-Nixon cynicism, or especially now, in a Trump cynicism, yeah. we can't seem to accept the fact that maybe there was a period where you could believe in political leaders. And that's I believe in political that, leaders in 2008. Yeah, that was probably my last period so, of optimism. But That wasn't that long ago. 
Uh. It just it, it seems like his expectation that things will be so much better is yes. But also, you're talking about a man who has fixated on this for two mm-hmm. years, and also who is dying. Right. And likely, it seems, lost a lot of people in Vietnam. So even that one thing mm-hmm. would have made his life better. Right. Um, but I just, I also think it's really interesting that I can wait two minutes for a better world. But what is that two minutes going to be like for him, really? How does he know he'll still be around? That's the thing. And I think that the, there's one of the things that is an issue for me with all films like this, of course, is the fact that the element of if I go back and change this, this will happen, isn't thought through. I have already mentioned that the best time travel story ever is The Sound of Thunder by Ray Bradbury, where one tiny insignificant change ruins the entire course of the world because it wasn't supposed to happen. And so it doesn't make any sense that people think that when you do this, it'll... Well, because you believe Mm -hmm. that Ray Bradbury story. (laughs) That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Other people don't believe that Ray Bradbury story, so they're telling a different time travel story. You know, what I mean by that is that that's something that even um, Al Templeton is saying, which is, if you prevent this from happening, this will prevent this from happening, this will prevent the Vietnam War, this will prevent the assassination of Robert Kennedy. Right. So he's saying it as, yes, one tiny, well, one tiny it's action. It's not tiny, case, it's a big one. One significant action will change the course of everything. Mm-hmm. That was the point of the Bradbury story as well, but that's just a kind of a given any time that you tell a time travel story, is that one thing changes, it sort of changes the setup for everything that follows. Right, but Endgame did a nice job. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for Avengers Endgame. Um, sort of clearing up. First of all, anything you do in your in your own lifetimes right. past doesn't alter you per presently, right. because it's your future. Like your future can't alter your past. It just doesn't make any sense. So it's all it's all about splitting of mm-hmm. you have to believe in multiverses i think to believe in time travel um yes because every individual stream is a different right reality right and it's just the one that you wind up living in right um but it's like crazy to me that because what i think would happen in those 2 minutes in our time uh, from whatever happened however long he mm-hmm. was back there f- fucking with stuff mm-hmm. fucking with stuff um, but nothing changed in Jake's life. Right. Right? So, when does Al do enough in the back to change the present? Like, he didn't. Right. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, or right? Or we wouldn't know if he did. Or we wouldn't know because, because that, this Jake is a different Jake. was affected yeah. by, by uh, Al Templeton. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I guess just, that's right. There, there's that that sort of story. Um. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I think I mentioned being in a screenwriting class, and there was a guy who pitched an idea that was really applauded by some of the people in the room, and then some of us just looked at him like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Which <laughs> is, an indifferent young, disaffected young man goes back in time and just starts messing with things. He starts dating Cleopatra. He prevents the crucifixion of Jesus. He goes along and does all these things. And basically, it's a comedy. Like, somebody just ruins it. He has no motivation to do it other than that he's disaffected and he wants to screw the system, which is one thing that's like, I can never get behind that character. Like, he doesn't have a reason for doing it. 
And secondly, do you realize that if you do any one of those things, it prevents everything else from happening? Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. If you yeah. push the Moses down the river, did, right? Yeah. Which is one of them. Push Moses down the river, that basket, so that he never gets picked up by the Egyptians. Then you won't have a Jesus being Then crucified. there won't be Jesus. Yeah. Right. But yeah. he didn't think any of this out. And he was just so enthusiastic in the telling that he got a lot of applause until everyone sat and thought about it going, oh, wait, this is going to... Yeah, right. You right. can't have things that link together. Probably, you can't change right. a bunch of things that were linked together in this timeline. And in doing so, probably eliminate his own existence. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the other thing. Especially when you change something that big. Well, well my whole right. thing with time travel, going back, that's mm-hmm. like the big thing with going back and changing things. Right. If I went back and killed Hitler, that would negate my need to go back and kill Hitler. So right. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And so I didn't do it. And then we are in a paradox loop. Right. So it's... And I think that this the same thing would be true here. Like, you mm. cannot exist in the same timeline where... You, where you killed Hitler. Well, also, <laughs> like it, you, you, by a, by necessity, you have to now be in a different timeline. A more philosophical choice. You make you change everyone's ability to make their own decisions. Right? It's like you're going to offer them a bunch of different choices, but the person that you are now, you can never be that because right. somebody else has taken away that right. that one Jenga block. Excuse me. And everything's kind of changed now or fallen yeah. down. Yeah, but like, uh, yeah, I can't. Yeah, if twenty-three-year-old uh, me decides to go back and kill Hitler, has the time travel device to right. do that, um, I go back and I do it. Mm-hmm. Then the twenty-three-year-old me that exists in that that reality right. doesn't need to go back and kill Hitler, like because. Well, there's also this. <laughs> what, I didn't like that necessarily. I mean, because it's. I'm hoping that it gets more developed as it goes along. I'm sure it will. We've got um, uh, many more hours to The be. idea that time itself is trying to stop him. I like that, actually. I I, I don't know if it's time itself or, or something. Some or, you know, it, it force. becomes almost a supernatural element. It's yeah. like there's a conscious force trying to stop you from trying changing to, Because it's done. Right. You're not supposed to be here, as it keeps telling you, in right. no uncertain terms. It's not ambiguous. It literally says you shouldn't be here. Right. Um, and the time travel is affected by basically the same as uh, C.S. Lewis wrote or Ale- uh, Lewis Carroll, which is go through a room, go through a picture, go yeah. he walks through a closet. But yeah, so the, I, I, I'm hoping that there's some sort of reasoning behind all of it, because it all seems sort of... That part of it seems silly. The the rules seem almost arbitrary. Like, why do you? Why is it so much longer on one side than it is on the other? And it all depends on your acceptance of those rules and whether you're willing to play by them, I think. Yeah. But it seems, they seem so arbitrary that it's it's hard for me to catch up with it right now. And the only other real problem I have, I love the way it looks. Yeah. And the pace of the story is very good, but I just am not loving this main character. Yeah, and James Franco is not going to get me there. It's tough as a performer. I'm going to just try and overlook him. I'm mm-hmm. hoping that when Sadie comes into the story, spoiler alert: there's a girl named Sadie. Um, I like girls named Sadie, and we won't see her for. We'll see her next episode because mm-hmm. she comes in in episode three. Um, so maybe that'll make it better. But yeah, James Franco is a tough sell for me. Mm-hmm. So next week. We're going to watch episode two and episode three. Two and three. And by next week, I mean probably pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, we've got a squeaker at the door, so we better get this done. In the meantime, 
Do you have anything you would like to recommend to our listeners? Unfortunately, uh, beyond um, Samoan pastries, no, I, I, I haven't. Ziggy, stop it. Yeah, so aside from Samoan pastries, no, I don't. I didn't get around to being able to catch up on anything. You haven't watched anything? Oh. Uh, I finished Lost in Space, and it was just as good as I expected it to okay, be. Okay, good. Um, there's some new movies that I haven't got around to. Yeah. And I... Yeah, there's a few yeah. on my list that I would like to watch that soon. I, it's, no. it's just a bit a matter of time. It's been a very busy couple of weeks. It so has been, that's true. Beyond, um, I was writing a short story for an, another anthology, and I had to get it done this week, so I haven't been... Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, hopefully this week I'll catch up on some more stuff. Well, what about you? Uh, yes, I recommend Schitt's Creek. Okay, so this has been controversial because we've had this some This has been controversial, who... this is funny. So I started mm-hmm. watching Schitt's Creek um, about six months ago. Right. I had been skeptical about the show because the premise of the show is obnoxious rich people become poor. Right. Basically, and then have to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want to side with obnoxious rich people. Yeah. And I'm probably going to hate everybody. Um, which seems to be what people think. Uh And I watched the first, I think, three episodes and I was in, but then I only watched the first season and then I stopped. Then I picked up the second season on Sunday and I have now watched seasons two, three, and four. Um, Today is Tuesday. So Uh in three days, I watched three seasons of the show. Now, there are 13 episodes each and it's 21 minutes per episode. So So it's not not long. It's a commitment of time, though. It is. I but it's a nice show to have on the background when I'm working or so doing. So do you feel like art. the characters develop to a point where they're? Yes, like that's a, the thing. The thing that never happened with Seinfeld for me. Oh, or me. I was right. like literally any one of them or all of them could be hit by a bus and I would not yeah. give a fuck. No, I. All of these characters are very richly drawn. Mm-hmm. They're but and fundamentally they're all good people. They just don't. They never learned exactly how to be those good people. Now, um, Dan Levy is Eugene Levy's son, Uh uh, or Levy, maybe it's Levy. Uh, And he and uh, Eugene Levy created the show together. Really, Dan was like, go on in on this with me. Uh I need your name, basically. Um, And he had written some stuff before, and he was an actor before. Although he wasn't, ri- no, he wasn't an actor before. He had written some stuff before. He didn't realize until they were the day they were going to start shooting that he was going to have to like do this, mm-hmm. which is pretty wild. Um, and, but they play father and son, which I think is helpful. And Dan has really said that it's Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara as the parents mm-hmm. who are, you know, genius improv mm-hmm. and comedic actors. And have a long history um, and a, a lot of knowledge on the sets. And they have made the set very open and inclusive and um, safe for everybody to do what, they, what they're doing. Um, and then Dan uh, plays uh, David. <laughs> Ew, David. Uh, and then um, his sister is Alexis. Who, and I think her name is actually Alexis, too. They're the Rose family, and they uh, were made off basically. Uh, and oh no, she's played played by a woman named Annie Murphy. The women are the harder to take, but they all have foibles and issues, and like 
I think probably Catherine O'Hara as Moira is probably the most off-putting of the characters mm-hmm. consistently. Like even still in the fifth season, I'm just like, I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, but you can see, you can see where it all comes from. And you get backstories for all of them, and but you see them all grow. There's a there's a love story with David that I am. It's like my favorite relationship I've ever seen on television, maybe. Um, and it's just they're snarky enough with each other that they're funny. I think they're. I think it's very mm. funny. Alan did not think it was funny. Sorry, Alan. I understand if you don't like it, but. And that makes me sad, though, because it really is getting me through this uh, this time. Uh, and But the warmth of the characters towards each other and towards this town. Chris Elliott's also a rough go. Mm-hmm. Chris Elliott plays the mayor of the town, Roland Shit. And he is rocking a mullet for a large part of it. He looks... I- Terrible. Speaking, starting with Jess Franco and going, through, Chris Elliott is one of those performers who the appeal not, yeah. just I never understood. And I'm not a huge Chris Elliott fan right. either. He's doing exactly what he needs to do in this role. Uh-huh. It's a role that's rough. His wife helps a lot. Um, the woman that plays his wife, mm. Jocelyn, she's very good and very sweet. And and he's supposed to be as crass and off-putting right. as the roses are stuffy and overbearing Mm -hmm. and they play off of each other and they don't really pull punches with each other like everybody knows what they think about each other but they Mm -hmm. end up like sort of deeply caring about everybody uh it's i don't know it's good i'm enjoying it i like it so much i'm waiting the sixth season hits netflix hopefully next month so i'm taking a break so that i don't run out tomorrow of episodes (sighs) uh but um, it's like me and HGLs. Give it another shot. Mm-hmm. Give it till the end of, or give it to the middle of the sec of the first season. Like give it, give it an hour and a half of your time, okay. or two hours of your time. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. I get it. Some people don't like things, but I like it. Yeah, no, that's it's uh, you're me. saying. It's like my HGLs. I always keep one novel or one short story that I haven't read. Because I don't want to ever be at a point where I can't discover something new. It's a, a, a weird thing to do, but... Yeah. And you've got the whole, you know, I like a small town thing, right. like a Gilmore Girls situation where you know everybody in the town and they have their version of Kurt. It's Ray. It's the... He's in uh, that chorus show, that choir show as mm-hmm. well. Is that it? Yeah. We come so. to the end. Next week, two yeah. episodes of eleven twenty two sixty three, episode two and episode three. This time we're actually gonna do what we say. Mm-hmm. We promise. Yeah, well, I mean this one it, it was situational. It was a decision. Yeah, we and we make. didn't realize that the first one was twice right. as long as any it, of the it's other ones. It's effectively a feature length film. So. It was also two episodes of like it's exactly as long as episode two and episode three together. Right. So well, how are we to know? Um, mm. So, if you have, in the meantime, so we'll we'll do that next week. Right. Next in week. the meantime, if you have questions, comments, concerns, questions. concerns especially, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching latecomers podcast in the search bar. Mm. I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you that better late than, late than never. never.